Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome back to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Evan Harrington. On a Friday afternoon, I will be your host for today's show. We have an action-packed show for this Friday afternoon. We have A.J. Haas, Buffalo State women's soccer player coming in very soon for an interview and we are also going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres victory over the Ottawa Ottawa Senators last night um, winning 4-1 to and we will get into a little bit of Bill's Chiefs preview and NFL game picks. My name is Evan Harrington once again I am your host for the next two hours. I am joined by my lovely co-hosts in Tanner Saunders, T-Sizzle, Double D, Dan Dale, and Joe Kelly, wherever he may be. He is coming in now yes, with that new headset. He is coming in hot right in the middle in Studio B. All right, how are you fellas doing? Oh, boy, you caught me off guard there. Jeez, I'm in the back. I'm back in our evil layer looking for an extra pair of headphones. Then all of a sudden I hear the intro, and I'm like, is Yeah, it, I'm like, wait, what's happening? Is it 2 o'clock? Yeah, we, we were a couple seconds behind the 2 o'clock minute, uh, 2 o'clock hour Matter of fact, but uh, you know we're here, we're live, we're ready. We have uh, an awesome show uh, today. Like I mentioned, we're gonna have uh, you know AJ Haas, women's soccer player, on very very soon in uh, probably fifteen minutes or less. But uh, but yeah, Joe just get- messed with me very hard right now. I I, I got like I I got him his new headphones, you know that we were looking for. I plugged them in, and he turns to me and he says, "They don't work." And I'm like. Why? <laughs> That's slander. That never happened. Y- yes, it did. Tanner's right there. For, I have a witness. For defamation. Tanner didn't hear anything. He didn't hear anything, but I have a witness. Spoken. Witness can see things. Did you witness anything? I, I heard Dan like he was like I saw you slide over and say something to him, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh," but I yeah. didn't know what the context was. I couldn't hear nothing. I couldn't hear words exchanged. I just saw Dan's reaction. He was like, "Oh," so I. I don't know if my uh, my testimony would hold up in a court of law, but I'll uh, leave that to you two to figure out. <laughs> All right, um, let's get into a little bit of Bills versus uh, or not Bills Sabers versus Senators talk that took place last night. The Sabers beat the Honorable Senators four to one. Victor Olofsson with two empty net goals. The Sabers win their first game of the season. They are officially one and zero on that path to eighty two and zero. That's right. <laughs> they won in their season opener, and man, me being there myself, it was electric. It was electrifying. It was outstanding. It was something that I have not witnessed in a long time, having a almost packed house because I wasn't able to go to RJ night. But just seeing all those fans there and just being electric and having you know, just a great mentality and just overall, it was a great experience. What were your guys' thoughts on the game uh, really quick? Um, f- well, from unfortunately, I was unable to watch the game live because I don't get MSG and I don't want to pay for a ESPN plus subscription, but yeah, you, know, you would from, have, yeah, you would have to pay for ESPN plus. Yeah. But from, from watching the highlights, I mean, I, I was, I liked what I saw. I mean, and also from what I read, you know, it sounded like, you know, they didn't play perfect. They made some mistakes that you'd expect to see with early season hockey, but overall, I mean, and you know, when you have the youngest team in the NHL, what the average age is like 25, there's you know, that's kind of to be expected. But all in all, you know, they made the plays that they needed to to be able to win. J.J. Paterka scored his first career goal. You know, it was a nice give and go, kind of to use some basketball terminology, running the fast break just, and uh, Paterka was able to split through two defenders and get a goal. Darlene have had one off a nice feed from Krebs and then the two empty netters by Golofsson 
to uh, to ice the game. But yeah, it was all in all. Um, I don't think the Sabers they didn't cash in on any power play opportunities, but they had a couple nice penalty kills. So you know, all things considered, you know, great way to open up the season. And by the way, NHL, whoever edits your highlight videos should be ashamed of themselves because you would think <laughs> JJ Paterka's first career goal that's highlight worthy, and it was a nice play. But nope, they skip right to the second well, period. Yeah, and what, they, they what also missed. That? Yeah, they also missed Brady Kachuk's goal, which was which was a really good goal as mm-hmm. well, and that was the first goal of the game. So they missed the first two goals of the game, one for the Senators and one for the Buffalo Sabres, respectively. And, yeah, come on. And it, Unreal. But you best believe I saw the highlight on Twitter, and it was oh, it was nice to see the young oh, yeah. buck get and, his first goal. And he had a couple other shots on goal, one that he probably could have made, but he'll, he'll you know, make those as he, you know, acclimates more to the speed of the game and just gets more experience under his belt. But all in yeah. all, great opening night for the Sabres. Yeah, and before I get to, you know, Joe and Dan here on their thoughts on the game, I just want to mention one thing on that Rasmus Dahlin uh, play that set up uh, the goal for himself. Rasmus Dahlin completely faked out uh, the four-checker uh, for the Ottawa Senators, cut up ice, used his offensive ability to get through the neutral zone patiently, dished it off to Kyle Oposo. Kyle, Pish- Kyle Oposo drive the play good enough to find Peyton Krebs behind the net. And Peyton Krebs, as we know, is probably the best pure passer on this Sabres roster. And he found Rasmus Dahlin parked right in front of the net. And he just Again, placed it perfectly right over the shoulder of the goaltender for the goal. And the thing is there that the defender for Ottawa was, you know, kind of draped all over Rasmus Dahlin from his backside. And Krebs had to put the puck perfectly into a spot where Rasmus Dahlin could capitalize on and score the goal. So, again, you got to credit Poso, Krebs, and Dahlin twice on that play in general. So, Joe, what were your thoughts on the game? Actually, hold on, Joe. Before you speak, can I say one more thing before I rest my case? Man, Craig Anderson, can we give him the Venzina trophy right now just for Vezna. being just for being or <laughs> Darn it. There's hey. my lack of hockey knowledge coming to bite me. But can we give him that trophy right now? I mean he had thirty got shot at thirty six times and only allowed one of them through. Like just for being forty one and playing as well as he did last night, that alone should give him the trophy right now. Let's like you know. We'll yeah. give him a happy Father's Day card. That's no. what we'll do to congratulate him. Tony, you took the words right out of my mouth right there. Uh, Craig Anderson was my player of the game, absolutely. I, I love the fact that, you know, the Tom Brady of the NHL is on our team. You know, he's <laughs> he's an all-star goaltender, you know, and 35 for 36, you can't argue it. I do have a question for you guys, though, a little statistics question here. Not statistics, whatever. But, um, so, you know, youngest team in the NHL considered the Buffalo Sabres, right? Mm-hmm. Oldest team, Pittsburgh Penguins. What is the average age gap? Like, what would the average age gap be between the two? Do you, do you know the statistics? Or you I do. Ask? Oh, okay. Oh, so I know the Sabres. This is like I'm asking to see if you can grab it. Like, get Ooh. it right. So I, I know mean, their average age is 25, the Sabres, but I don't know the Penguins. Penguins have to be at least 35, 36 in that range. I wouldn't say their average age is 35, 36, but they're probably their average age is what probably what 29.7 or something. I don't know. I Oddly feel like specific. that would be too little. <laughs> you want the answer? Yeah. Okay. So it's five years. Mm. That's it. Roughly five. Five point yeah. seven. So yeah. So what? So wait. The Sabers are what twenty twenty four point nine twenty five. Right there. But guess what? If you take Craig Anderson out of the picture, there's yeah. there uh, the age gap there is um, eight eight nine years. Yeah. Which is just nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Craig Anderson's the outlier that brings that whole. Brings well, I don't want to lose Craig years. Anderson. He's our guy. Like, no, he, he's staying here. I, I was mean, a little upset. UPL wasn't going to be playing, but then, um, you know, it just. I, well, I'm I glad mean, to see Anderson doing well. Like, well yeah, that's really I mean, it. And the reason why UPL isn't playing is just 
strictly to the fact that he hasn't started enough games here yet, and Don Granado and Kevin Adams feel like he needs to start more games, whether that's with the Sabres or with the Amherks, and right now that is with the Amherks, and he will be doing that for the next little bit. And he will get called up throughout the season because Anderson isn't playing more than 30 games. I'm telling you that right now. He's not playing more than 30 games. Comrie probably will end up playing a little more games than Anderson because Comrie will probably be the player that takes a couple back-to-backs, and Anderson comes in for those tougher matchups. But nonetheless, I mean, you'll probably see Lukanen get 13 to 18 games this year mm-hmm. and wouldn't be surprised if that is actually true. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Uh, my thoughts on a game are that the first period did look very sloppy. There were missed passes. Communication didn't seem to be there. Stick handling wasn't that great. Um, you know, they did allow the goal. So, of course, that's always, that always brings down the period. But they did also allow a lot of um, shots to be put on Anderson at first where it's like they shouldn't have been shots because you had the puck and you turned it over. Uh, that's something to fix that they did kind of fix later on in the game in the second and the third. But, you know, I, I, I thought this game was good overall for the Sabres. They brought it back. You know, the two empty netters, I don't count in the sense because there is no goalie. It's not I would like, say I'd say you at least count the one. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'll count the one. shot one from, like, yeah, mid-ice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll count the one. The one makes sense, you know. That just puts the game away. Um, but, you know, Paterka had a really nice goal, and then Dawin just staying right in front of the, the net, you know, that helped a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I just hope it, it – if, if I will say this right now on air. If Granado and Adams make it to the playoffs and prove me wrong, I will not be mad. At all. At all. Evan, turn off. Uh, <laughs> too uh, late now. Uh, it's too late. You know what, Dan? I'll tell we're, you what, We're though. just going to have a pack of, Okay, cool. Uh, so the Sabres this Saturday have the Florida Panthers, uh-huh. which will probably be their toughest time yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and... They were the one, one seed last year, right? Correct. Yeah, they had the most wins. They won the President Trophy, I believe. That's what you win when you get the highest points. Uh, that's just kind of me forgetting the trophy name. But, you know, what, what do you guys expect this Saturday from the Sabres team? I expect resilience, brilliance, and all of the above. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I think, you know, I think the showing... Last night was a big, big deal. I, I think it shows where they where they think they can play and how they play. Like you said, the first period was sloppy, right? It, it was. It, they were missing passes. They were taking weird shots on goal. There were a couple of them that I was like, eek. But <laughs> Casey Middlestat in the second half, second second two periods, second half of the game, what if you will? Um, that's why we signed Casey Middlestat all those years ago. He he looks like. He was passing, making making competent plays. Well, you mean I couldn't drafted. draft. That's what I meant. Yes, yeah, sorry. But that we all those years were missing out on that. Now he's all of a sudden playing competently. Like, come on, what are we what are we talking about here? This is this is great. I think they're going to have a good showing against the Panthers. I'm really excited. It's going to be tough, but hopefully they can win. All right, we're going to actually take a quick break on 91.3 FM WBNY, and after the break, we will get into our art interview with Buffalo State women's soccer player A.J. Haas. We'll be back in just a few moments on 91.3 FM WBNY. Her first big play coming back in the game is a corner. Corner by the Bengals. And it's in. 
Looks to be by number seven, AJ Haas. On the corner kick by number three, Macy Joelli. The Bengals tie this game up one to one with 13 minutes left in the second half. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original station, original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. My name is Evan Harrington. I am still your host going on for the next hour and a half, still joined by Tanner Saunders, Dan Dale, and Joe Kelly. But now we are going into our Buffalo State Athletics interview with Buffalo State women's soccer player, A.J. Haas. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Great to be here. Let's roll into this. So you were mentioning Harrington, a little, a little I, bit. I, I, you might need to turn the mic up or something. <laughs> or turn it on. Got it. <laughs> it, John, now? All right. We're good. We're good. We're chilling. It just sounded weird. All right. Um, so you just mentioned earlier in the break that you had practice. Mm-hmm. How was that? You know, you're getting prepared for a big game. How was the practice going into the into the game you guys got going on? Um, we just do a lot of small things, a little technical. We go through our corner kicks, our free kicks. We play a little 11 v 11 just to get hype for tomorrow. And I honestly think we're really prepared for tomorrow. We're really ready. Um, we're ready to go in and put our foot on Podstan's neck, honestly. They <laughs> love to see it. That's a love to hear that type of phrasing. Now, as long as we're talking about practice here, what does your training slash practice schedule look like? Do you practice and or train like every day? Yeah, we practice uh, Monday through Friday, um, twelve to two, and then we do have lift on Monday as well for an hour. All right. So, what made you get into soccer? Like, what drove you getting into soccer from a young age? Um, I have three sisters two older sisters, and they both actually played soccer. My dad was our coach um, for our, the first 10 years of our life. Both of my sisters played college soccer. Um, my one sister actually played for Podstam, so mm. she's excited to see us play them tomorrow. Um, let's see. Have you, when playing soccer, have you always played your current position that you play here at Buff State? And if not, what other positions have you played, you know, coming up? Um, I have played center mid most of my life, most of my career. I played a little bit of center forward. Um, but recently this year I have been playing center back, and that isn't a position I have been used to, but it's the position they needed me at. And it is different for sure being that last defender It's a lot of pressure, and it's a lot more communication, but um, I do enjoy it back there, for sure. Yeah, so you mentioned you played center back, but you never really played the center back position, and I'm sure you know this now, but as a center back, there's a lot of communication, like you just mentioned there. Like, you got to, you know, be on communication skills with your outside backs, whether you got to sweep the play, this, that, and the third. What have you done to kind of transition yourself into that part of the game, you know, going from midfield to center back? Well, I think I kind of just fit into that position pretty naturally because I've always been a very vocal player on the field, and that's part of the reason why I needed to be needed to be back there because um, with a lot of new players this year and everything and figuring out our formation, we needed kind of somebody back there to always be directing and counting and just knowing what's going on at all times. Now, um like Harrington played the call that we did, that was your first goal ever. How did that feel for you, um, you know, just going into that game and finally getting that first goal of your career at Buff State? 
um, I was just like, it's about time, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, and it felt extremely good also it being a header because I had been practicing. We practiced that so much in um, practice. We practice our corner kicks and everything, and I'm always going for those. So the fact that it translated onto the field, it was just like a breath of fresh air. I'm like, finally. All right, so you mentioned a couple questions ago talking about all these young players on the team. Let's talk a little bit about them. One thing that I think is remarkable about this particular team is you guys are all playing well, but a lot of the team is super young. I look through, you guys got 16 freshmen, you got six sophomores, four juniors, and then yourself as the one senior and a, uh, a graduate student as well. But what can you say about some of the young talent you got on this team? Do you say they're pretty well you know, set up for the future as the years go on? Definitely. Um it was it was just definitely an adjustment um with all of those young girls coming in because you know we are learning a new formation we also have a new coach so we're as returners we're still learning and they're learning at the same time so it's just like everybody's having learning experiences but everybody has been able to fit so well together it's incredible how well everybody has gotten along and how well we work together on the field and everything. I'm honestly very thankful to have those freshmen on this team this year. Yeah, that's outstanding. Can you also talk about a little bit about your head coach, Greg Margolis? Yeah, so he's come in, and a big focus of his is our team culture, which I really respect. He really wants to build something here that is more than just a soccer team. You know, it's a family, and we're... He's preparing us for the world after because a lot of us aren't going to go on and play soccer after this. So he's shaping us to be um, great, not just great soccer players, but great people to go out into the world after this, great leaders and everything. You mentioned you've played soccer pretty much your entire life. Do you play any other sports, you know, growing up or in high school perhaps? Yeah, I I did play lacrosse. Um, I played lacrosse for about like six years and then I did play a a semester of lacrosse here they were looking for some extra players because a couple girls dropped out due to COVID and the coach reached out to me and I was honestly really bored because there was nothing going on so I was like why not and it was a really fun experience I had a really great time on that team it was just a lot to do with um, soccer and lacrosse so I picked soccer yeah how'd you do individually in lacrosse I mean you know not playing at the collegiate level just kind of stepping in like that how'd you do um I think I did pretty well, honestly. Um, We only had like two or three subs because of the COVID problem and everything. So I played full games and I was starting and everything and I was playing defense. I was a midfield in high school, but um, I stepped into that defensive role probably because um, it's a lot of talking again, a lot of counting, like who's where and everything. And that's exactly what I was doing for soccer. So it was easy for me to step into that role. Um, all right, so you just mentioned having to choose between like lacrosse and soccer, and obviously you chose soccer, but how do you, you know, balance, even with soccer, being a student and being on the team at the same time? Because, like, I know myself, I can barely, you know, stomach all my schoolwork as it is, and I don't even do anything extracurricular like that. So how do you, you know, find that balance with being a student and being an athlete? Yeah, it's all about time management, Um the way I look at it is if I'm sitting there and I think I have nothing to do, I probably have something to do. Um, it's late nights. Uh, it, it helps having teammates, too, because they keep you accountable. Your coaches keep you accountable. You have a lot of people looking out for you as a student athlete. So it's actually 
it's where it's hard, but you're also a little blessed with all of those people looking out for you. Um, it's hard to fall as a student athlete because everybody is watching you. So yeah, no, definitely for sure. You make a lot of great points there. How is this season different than ones in the past? Um, definitely those sixteen freshmen. <laughs> that was a big like. That was very interesting having such a freshman, a big freshman class coming in. But this season's also different because last year um, was a little rough with uh, not a lot of new talent and a new coach and everything. And then it's like this year we almost did a complete 180. We were projected to come in tenth this year. Like nobody expected us to win any games, and so being able to win those games and compete in every single game that we play in it's that's just so nice to be able to do this year Mm -hmm. all right so we all have you know influences or people that we look up to if you have one who is your sports hero and what uh, have you learned from them so my sports hero and it's actually because it's why I'm number seven growing up like I said my both my older sisters played soccer and there was this girl on my sister's team that she was number seven and she was just an amazing striker and she went on to play um college I believe and everything and that's who I always looked up to and then also in high school there was a girl her name was Charisma Katrona she um went on to play at UB and she went on to play at for FC Buffalo and now she plays in Iceland and that's somebody that I always looked up to not really professional players just Mm -hmm. people around me yeah, no, that's always good to not only, you know, have the chance to look up to professionals, but to be able to look up to people you actually know and can, can physically connect to is something that many people don't get to have. And, you know, for yourself to have that, that is that is amazing and outstanding. Uh, what is your favorite pregame ritual? My, oh, that's definitely, we have, so we have a bunch of like flashing lights in our locker room. We turn off the lights. We have a huge speaker and we just blast music like you can't hear anything. You can hear the music from outside of our locker room. And we'll just, like, scream and dance. And then we also, um, right before the game, we get in a circle. And we all put our foot on the bangle. And we'll start, I say, buff, like, really quietly. And they'll say, state, really quietly. And then we get louder and louder and louder. And then at the end, it stayed on three, and that gets us like really hype before we go out on the field. Yeah, that seems like an outstanding, you know, just pregame ritual. You know, the music, and then going on the field and doing that little buff state thing is outstanding. Gets me fired up, and I'm not even on the team. <laughs> so we mentioned, you know, you're busy with soccer and school, but when you have that off time, how do you like to fill it? What do you like to do in your off time? Um, I like to read. <laughs> I'm just always reading. Yeah. Anything, everything, but right now I don't have a lot of off time. Also, in my off time, I like to just spend time with my family. You know, I have a nephew and a niece, and I love them so much, and I'm really close with my sisters, so I try to fill that time with my family as much as possible. What what type of books are you reading, like nonfiction, fiction? Everything, nonfiction, fiction. Right now, I'm doing Pride and Prejudice, which is really, it's tough, because it's a Jane Austen, and it's it's like old language and everything. That's romance. So I'm reading that right now. 
Um, was that part of the, you mentioned, you know, you got a close bond with your family, sisters and all that. Did that factor in part of your reason to, to come to Buff State? You wanted to kind of stay home? Because you went to high school right at Williamsville South, about, you know, 20 minutes away from here. Yeah, that definitely factored in. Um, I also had a close relationship with the original coach here. So um, he he was one of my coaches growing up, and he was like, uh, he was on me. He was like, you need to come here. You need to come here. I was like, okay, I guess. And my original major was forensic chemistry, and they had a good forensic uh, chemistry program here. So that's why I was looking here. Yeah, so as a defender like myself, there were always certain plays that had me hyped up. Is there, like, a certain play defensively that you love making and it just kind of gets you fired up going forward for the rest of the game? Definitely slide tackles. <laughs> slide tackles or a nice, like, if it's a corner kick, a nice header that just clears the ball. Um but anything that clears the ball because it just feels like such a relief. All right. So, again, you're playing, you guys are set to take on uh, SUNY, SUNY Potsdam in a SUNYAC matchup tomorrow. You said you wanted to you know, really beat them. Can you talk a little bit about that team and what you guys are going to do to potentially beat them tomorrow? Uh, yeah. So we have, we've been working on a new formation recently, and, um, and it's actually has pushed me up into the midfield, which I'm super excited about, and I don't have to play center back as much anymore. Um, we're just looking to really get a lot of balls to the outside and cross a lot of balls in and just pummel them from the beginning. Like We really just want to be at them the whole time. All right. I mean, there you go. So again, as a center back, do you feel a little more free in your game when you are able to, you know, push the pace offensively and get a little more involved in that action? Yeah, exactly. I always like, I feel like whenever I'm moved up into the center mid, I feel so much less pressure than a center back because a center back, you know, you are the last defender. If it gets through you, you only have the goalie to stop it. Center mid, I have a little bit more freedom defensively. I still don't want to make mistakes, but offensively I also can get into the offense I can work on helping win 50-50s off of punts and goal kicks which I don't get to do as much at center back and that's something that I find myself being better at so yeah so this game coming up here tomorrow is senior day although we might as well just call it AJ Haas day since you're the lone senior but uh, and I'm sure you're focused on the game first and foremost but has it sunk in yet like oh shoot it's senior day and I'm a senior like kind of getting toward the end of the road yeah, so it's kind of funny because we do have a lot of girls on our team that are um, graduating. They're juniors because they got that extra year from COVID and everything. So it is almost their fourth year. For me, it's like almost my fifth year because of COVID. And I, it definitely hasn't sunk in. I don't think it will sink in into the last game. Like, I, I can't believe... It's my last season. I think I will continue to play a little bit of soccer um, outside of school, but it, I just it, it definitely hasn't sunk in, and it won't, I don't think, until the last second. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, what is your favorite moment thus far at Buffalo State playing soccer for the women's team? I'd have to say either my first goal or um, last year I remember we went into double overtime with Hilbert, and we scored like the last couple minutes and now and we all like ran on the field screaming we had a huge crowd because it was our BSB game and that was just it was an incredible feeling and all the energy from the crowd was incredible all right so we do this segment um on the blitz it's called top three we were gonna do top three favorite songs but you didn't want to do that one um 
want to do like top three favorite places to eat in Buffalo? Oh, jeez. Okay. Mm. Uh, I like um, Picasso's. Good choice. Can't go wrong. Rachel's. Mm. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. There's so many good places. There's some good wing places. Or yeah, I'm actually not a fan of Duff's. I know everybody. Oh, it's not loves even it. Duff's. Yeah, but. Harrington, are you just hungry? Is that why you asked the question? I, I, I could go for some barbell wings right now in East Aurora. Like, mm. when am I going there? I don't know. That's my top two. I don't know about a third. No, there, yeah. is there, what, I just what, love all food. What do you get at Rachel's? Uh, I get, like, a rice bowl. Yeah. There you go. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Definitely. You guys got any more questions? Uh, hold, Mitch went to Will South, right? Yeah, he did. Did you guys know each other there, two uh, Will South alum? A Mitch little hop, bit. Mitch, hop on the mic. What am I doing? You went to Will South. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Will South. You're important now, Mitch. Congratulations. I didn't hear. Well, I was just asking if you guys knew each other because you're two former Will South alum. Uh, uh, yeah. We. I was 2017. I think you were, what, 2018? 2018, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we didn't really know each other. I think we knew of each other knew more. Each yeah. Of each other. Yeah. yeah, I was not that popular. <laughs> Well, you're popular now. That's all that matters. Oh, yeah, definitely. The most popular I feel like person. I knew your little brother more yeah, because I think he was my little sister we, yeah, I think his age. Our younger siblings might be in the same age group. Yeah, yeah my brother was more popular, too. So, <laughs> All right. Thank you for your cameo, Mitch. I always of like course. hearing from you. Yeah. yeah. Five seconds of fame. Yeah, get me on again soon, guys. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> now, AJ, what are your top three plays that you have made or your top three favorite plays that you have made, either just at Buff State or over your soccer career? Um, let's see. Definitely, you know, my goal. <laughs> and then last year there was like a breakaway, got past Bella, our goalkeeper, and I busted my butt to get back there and slide tackled the girl no goal love that one love anything like that and then hmm it's mostly slide tackles that I remember (laughs) I just love slide tackling people I guess you ever gotten in trouble for slide tackling someone yeah definitely I've definitely I've I've racked up a couple cards this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like one of those high risk high reward type of plays again Exactly. You're either going to take the person down or you're going to take the person down going for the ball. It's one of those um, key plays in general. Do you guys have any more other questions? I think I'm all, all set. We definitely uh, wish you continued success moving forward and best of luck. Yeah. Tomorrow. Oh, wait, Double D going? No, I, I was just going to say good luck on the last three games and then on to Suniax for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Myself and Tanner Saunders will be on the call tomorrow. So if you get another goal, have another you know, go with our call on it. Oh, but, uh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> All right. That is outstanding. That has been our Buffalo State Athletics weekly interview with number seven from the Buffalo State women's soccer team in A.J. Haas. She and her team is set to take on SUNY Potsdam tomorrow. We all here BSP wish game. it's a BSP game as well. So anyone listening, Bengals support Bengals. Go support the Bengals. Go out. Cheer for the team. And again, A.J., we all wish you luck tomorrow. Good Thanks. luck. Thank and you. Again, hey, go score some goals and again win that Suniac matchup. Go beat Potsdam. Go win on BSB night. All right. This is the Blitz on ninety one point 
3FM at WBNY. We're going to take a quick break, and after the break, we'll get into more Sabres and Bills talk just in a quick moment. Sabres, three wide through the middle. Paterka sends it over. Back to Paterka, scores! First NHL goal for J.J. Paterka. Ties it for the Sabres. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. This is the Buffalo Blitz. I am still your host, Evan Harrington, for the next hour 20-ish minutes or so. I am still joined by Tanner Saunders, T-Sizzle, playing with a basketball back in studio. I don't know what he's going on and over there. And dropping it with his uh, butterfingers. Yes, sir. Butterfingers. <laughs> <laughs> and also joined by Joe Cali, and still also joined by Mr. Double D, Dan Dale. That intro clip that was just played a second ago was John James Paterka, J.J. Paterka's first ever NHL goal. I mean, what were your guys' thoughts on that goal and what that means for his, you know, future as the Buffalo Sabres uh, in the Buffalo Sabres organization. Did you just call him John James? That's his name. I yep. thought it was John Jason. John I, James, I think Tanner's John. right here. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Tanner's right on a hockey thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean James would be yeah. a nice, I mean, James would be a good middle name. That's the middle name of legends. Just, I mean, listen to who's talking. My middle name is James. So I can confirm that James is a legendary middle name, but Paterka's is Jason. So, no, but he's a... Uh, I thought, you know, out of the two young, like, Sabre prospects between him and Quinn, I thought Quinn was better in the preseason, but Paterko, the first one to get on the ledger this season. So, you know, he's going to be he's gonna be a sick player for us, you know, help bolster that, that second line maybe. Who knows? Maybe he moves up in that first line one day. But right now he's going to be, uh, and I imagine he'll only get better and better as the season goes on because, you know, he's still young, still trying to adjust to the game at the NHL level. But, you know, once he really finds his groove, he's going to be some player. Dan's already making me turn my uh, the, the his mic volume down, putting me to the test first time on the board. So. Joe, about I would Paterka. never do that to you. I <laughs> would never. Screaming. Forgot to mention that you know for the next little bit, uh, you know Joe Callie's going to be producing the show. Yeah, we're giving it a whirl today. You know, since it's my job now, I feel like I you know should yeah, be yeah. able to do it. So we're going <laughs> to give it a try. All right, back on track here. <laughs> yes, back on track. Night silence. Paterka next. All right, so again, there was a lot of great players that, you know, you know, got their first points or whatever with the Sabres. You know, John, I was going to say John James Paterka again. <laughs> J.J. Paterka had a great outing in his third ever game with the Buffalo Sabres, scoring his first goal of the season and the first goal of the season for the Buffalo Sabres in the season opener. But I also want to talk about a player that I don't think gets a lot of respect in the Sabres organization. And he's only been here for a little bit, but I thought he had a really good tone-setting game yesterday night against the Ottawa Senators. And that was Ilya Labushkin. I really thought Ilya Labushkin had a great game. Now, did he make a couple boneheaded plays, you know, with that one penalty he took? Yeah, probably. Shouldn't have done that. Held the guy a little too long up against the boards. But nonetheless, he is a tone setter. You know, he hits guys. He he just impacts the play with his body. He does things very well. He recorded an assist last night. What are your guys' thoughts on Ilya Labushkin? Why is he on the th- our th- he's our third line defenseman, right? I thought yeah. like when they signed him, they would like pair him with power. Why is that not the case? I oh. like power with Yogi Haru. That's the main thing. It's whatever works. And he's our big body guy, so you know him being on the third line doesn't really Well, yeah, and and also like Bryson's a a very small defenseman and he's mm-hmm. more offensive. He's a puck moving defenseman. He likes to jump up in the rush and Ilya Labushkin can 
join up in the rush, but he's more of a stay-at-home, big-bodied enforcer type of defenseman. Again, like to set the tone and play that type of game, and that is, is his style. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, I thought he had a good game. What about you guys again? No, it was really exciting to see, honestly. I, I just I like to see... I thought at the beginning I would want to see him with power, but now I, I just I think they have the lines pretty pretty set down at the bottom like that. I, I they work until they don't. Exactly, know? exactly. At, at work last night, Dan was pleading his case for you know Granado and Adams that whole spiel. So you know to to some Sabers fans, and he said it differently than he said on the show. So he got some people. Yeah, to because side with I was him. allowed to not be like yelled at for having a bad take or like an outrageous yeah, he, take. He, he, he sorry, he I misspoke. That it was a bad. Take. I misspoke. Yeah, agreed that it was a bad. Take. Evan, I misspoke. Outrageous take from your standard or bad take from <laughs> your standard. I think it's a great take, but you know you guys are just drinking the Kool Aid. No. Oh, whoa. Are yeah. we on Adams and Granado here? Yeah, no, no sorry. No. We're going back to Labushkin. But he had a fantastic performance. I'm really excited to see how he does for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Like, you know, it was a big pickup getting him from Toronto. He didn't look as tough in Toronto. Maybe just that's because Toronto plays a soft game of hockey. But then you bring him over to Buffalo, like, where we like to push the pace a little bit, play with a high, more intensity, and a little bit of motor. You saw that with Ilya Labushkin really setting the tone and playing a very nice game of hockey as well. See, look at that. Don Granado bringing the best out of his personnel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Donnie Meatballs, we're with you, buddy. Except one of us. Well, except yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. You know... I really thought yesterday one of the very first things that happened in the Sabres game was what Jeff Skinner said. Came right over the air. Everybody heard it. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear the, it. I, I was I was at the game. What did it, you say? It was the... Uh, we cannot. We cannot repeat uh, it. Uh, well, part of it, you cannot. <laughs> it's like, hey, shut up, you uh, effing pipsqueak. Oh, I yeah. think I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was yeah. that was blasted out. Sorry, on air, I did so. have to think for a awesome. second on what to use instead. That is the, the flubbing pig squeak. Yeah, oh the flubbing pig squeak. Yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> and about. Some other players that I want to credit as well that had a really strong game and really, really bolstered the Sabers' energy throughout the lineup in the last, you know, three minutes or so was the fourth line. Kyle Oposo, Zemgis Gergensons, and Rasmus Asplund, those three complement each other very well. I don't know what it is recently the last few years with the Buffalo Sabres fourth line, but when it has Kyle Oposo or Zemgis Gergensons on it, you can stick guys like Johan Larson, Cody Eakin, or now even Rasmus Asplund or Vinny Hanestroza for, you know, for heck's sakes, on that line, it is awesome. Their puck possession in the other team's zone is just something sensational. They were putting shots on net late with three minutes left, up by one goal. They really possessed the puck very nicely and did some great things for the Buffalo Sabres down the stretch. What are your guys' thoughts on this fourth line, especially led by the newly you know, newly appointed captain in Kyle Poso? I mean, I like the, the aggressiveness. Like you mentioned, they didn't really connect on a lot of them, but they were putting you know shots on net. They were keeping... Um, keeping the pressure up on that side of the floor, so that was that was nice to see that they were at least aggressive. And you got to figure as the season goes on, like they'll start to connect on some of those. Just a little off the mark uh, last night, but you got to like the aggressiveness at least. Yeah, I agree with you, Tanner. I mean, they were very aggressive. That's what you want to see out of your fourth line that you know doesn't get as much playing time as others. Um, you know, because you want your Tuck, you want your Skinner, you want your Thompson out there as much as you can have them out there. Um, so to at least see that they could hold their own against a fourth and a changing first line, nice to see. 
No, I, I definitely agree with you, Dan. It's definitely, when you look back at it, um, like last season, it was definitely a problem when you got down to the third and fourth lines. and It, it wasn't, like, once you passed the first two lines, it was just, we couldn't we couldn't keep up with a lot of these teams. Last night, that proved otherwise, though. I mean, they looked stellar, as Harrington said. So, I mean, I mean, Ocposo, newly named captain, it, it's definitely... He's got, he's got what it takes, and him and Gergensons are going to do what they do, and whoever's in there is in there at yeah. that point. You know and what I, I mean? Like, whoever's in there is in there with them. And, and I really like keeping Rasmus Asplund on this lineup. And I, and I was listening to WGR, I think it was the Extra Point Show this morning, and some guy called and he, he was like, why isn't Vinny Henestroza in the lineup You know, for Rasmus Asplund? I think he's a better player. Well, you can think Vinny Henestroza is a better player, but Vinny Henestroza is a winger. And Rasmus Asplund is a center. And mind you, be that, he's one of the best defensive centers in the NHL currently. He plays the two-way, 200-foot game excellent. He just, again, he might not be the most uh, insane guy in the box score with his offensive statistics. But when you watch him, he's he's great around the puck. He's great in the breakout game. He's great on the boards. He has a great sense of where to be and when to box out, guys. He's just a very good, well-fundamentally-sounded uh, 200-foot player with speed in his game. You can't teach that. That is, you, you, not many teams have that. Rasmus Asplin is like the definition of a perfect fourth line center for a playoff slash championship contender t- contending team. You don't need the guy to go out and score 30 goals for you. You just need the guy to go out there, hey, you know, put up 20 points maybe throughout the year, if that, but play your game well, shut down the opposing line you're set up to go against, and do your thing very well. And also, keyed with that, Kyle Poso, 45-point scorer last year. Zemgis Gergensens has proved he can, you know, score double-digit goals in this league. So you have a very nice combo on that line. And again, led by the new appointed captain, Kyle Poso. He is a phenomenal leader, and you're really seeing it all take shape and place on the ice with this new young team. I know, I know, Dan, you're not the, you're the biggest fan of the, the Kyle Poso appointed captain, but can you at least, like, notice it a little bit? Like, it's solid. I'm not going to notice that it's solid. I'm going to say maybe that was the best idea for the players to have Opozo as the captain. I will say maybe in that sense. Um, But I think as a fan sense, I I would rather have had Tuck. Uh, Tuck's just more out there. He has a lot more fun. He seems like he wants to... He loves being in Buffalo more than Opozo. He's got a bromance with the best quarterback in the NFL. Exactly. So, like, how that, can yeah. you beat that? How just, can you beat that? Normally, yeah. Allen's gone to Sabres games wearing a Sabres jersey with his name on it, right? Yeah, no, he has yeah, the 50th one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Switching it up for Tuck. What a what a guy. And then Tuck wore his Allen's jersey to the game. Yeah. So. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the thing with Allen at the Bills or at the Sabres stadium, I mean, the crowd's kind of into it, whatever. It's like, I think we were losing ones nothing at that point in time. But you show Josh, you show Dawson Knox and everyone else Matt in that Barkley box. Matt Barkley even. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, that crowd just goes wild. Just goes wild. I mean, you, you see Josh Allen in public. I mean, I'm going to say, I had no idea he was there. Yeah. I had literally no idea. I didn't, I didn't check social media or anything. You think he'd be in Kansas City? Not yet, at least. He's got to go to a Sabres game, you know, yeah. watch. He's got to watch a real team win a game. Right, right. He's yeah. got to know how to win. He's got to watch the Buffalo Sabres. He's, He's going to put some skates on and run out on the field in the fourth <laughs> quarter if things what, are going uh, south. Yeah, what position do you guys think Josh Allen will play for the Sabres if he uh, could play hockey? Oh, he would be a defenseman. Yeah. 
I I just think he would want to body everybody around him. And oh, let's absolutely. say he's He'd on like have that smirk on his face, just nailing people into the ground. And I, plus, just think on the penalty kill, he would just send that puck flying on a slap shot. <laughs> yeah, just it would be gone, dude. Josh Allen would be what Sabres fans wanted Rasmus Ristolainen to be. Absolutely. He would be an actual really good NHL right shot defenseman. Um, Speaking of players switching sports, just a a quick side note here. Did you see Tom Brady was asking Aaron Judge to be his tight end? (laughs) Wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) Yeah, that that was odd. Dad, that, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. I saw the clip. I'm yeah. like, wait, what? No, wait. You play baseball. No, 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 no. You, you guys stay with the Yankees. For like the, once you're 40 and retired and out of the MV, uh, MLB and you won the Yankees a couple of rings or more, you know, then you can go play with Tom Brady because he'll probably still be playing. <laughs> yeah, but then he's going to be out of his athletic prime. You want him while he's still a physical specimen. I don't know. Have Leonard Fournette run him around in a wheelchair. He'd be pretty quick. <laughs> be pretty <laughs> wow. All right. Let's stay on Sabres talk for a quick second before we Sorry. do had to break in a little bit, and we'll talk a little bit Bills versus Chiefs, and then after that we'll get into um, our week six game picks. Gosh, it's week six already. Time flies. All right. Um, the Sabres are set to take on the Florida Panthers coming into Keeping Center tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eric Comrie is probably set to take the start for Buffalo as, again, um, Craig Anderson faced 36 shots, saved 35 of them, had an outstanding night, but also it took a beating on him. Um, you know, and it's not hurt. He's not hurt yet. Yeah. Huzzah. Yeah. That's like something to celebrate now. <laughs> right. He's not hurt yet. <laughs> yet. Knock on wood. Yeah, Dan, what's this yet stuff? Just yeah. say he's not hurt. Dan, Dan always you're speaking. Look, Dan Joe, always Joe have you watched Sabres. the Sabres for like the past two, three years? How many times does a goalie stay healthy for more than a week? Well, our goalies were Carter Hutton, Ukapeka, Hip, Hippin. Ukapeka Lukanen. Yeah. Ukapeka Lukanen. Has, has no hips. You know, he has bad hip injuries. You had Hauser. You had Allmark. You had, I, I mean. We're not talking about the, the grade A goalies here. Uh, Allmark's pretty good. Yeah, he's fine, but like he was the only. I mean, he's in Boston, is he not? He took yeah, over for Tukaras, so he's got. Well, yeah, him least. and him and you know Jeremy Swayman, um, they both split. They're like one A one B. But there. I mean, even last year you had to go through. Don't forget about Sabres legend Dustin Tokarski. Exactly, that's Eric where I was Gell. going. I was going. Uh, it was Anderson Tokarski. Dan, you might have almost Allmark, played goalie for the Sabres. Hauser. I, I would love to be goalie for the Sabres. Screw it. Put me in pads. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, <laughs> Dan Dale, the goalie for Bro, the Bro, I would Sabres. block out the whole Walk Walking to the ice. Double D, Dan Dale. He's, he's got the cross pads on. He's just a marshmallow I'm walking like out I'm like star there. number three of the night. <laughs> yeah. The oh, next wow. Dominic Hasek sitting right to my left <laughs> exactly. here. Exactly. Never played a thing of hockey in my life. And I will do I, I will do the best of my abilities. Yeah, speaking of abilities, what are you guys looking for? Out of the Sabers and their young, their, their young talent showcasing their abilities uh, going against the Florida Panthers to win, maybe not to get blown out. <laughs> yeah, not to get blown out. That's kind of my yeah, thoughts. Right? They're you... going up against the one seed, but yeah, at least if they could show they could hang. Like if they get, I don't know, if they lose, like maybe by a goal or two, maybe like you know five to four, five to three, just to show that they can at least hang. Because are they playoff contenders this year? 
Probably, no not, probably not. Maybe they're right on the brink. So I think that's all you can ask for. Obviously, you know, you want to see your favorite team win, but just to, to show that they can hang with a team that's just a year removed from being the one seed, I think that would be an encouraging sign. Although, you know, in sports, obviously you're not looking for moral victories. You're looking for wins at the end of the day, but I'd just like to see them hang. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, Tanner. I, I If they can hang around with, like you said, the one seed and – be competitive and play a good game and still, you know, keep it, keep it close, keep a close score. I think, honestly, I think they win this game. I think they upset. I'm a big underdog guy. I take the underdogs. I have both this weekend, the Giants and Cal. And hey, the hey, 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 I know, I know. We're not oh, talking picks no, yet. No, no picks yet. In general. In redacted, general, redacted. Redacted, redacted. I'm an underdog guy, and I, I like the Sabres <laughs> in this. I think, you know, they're coming off of that one seed, you know, chip on the shoulder kind of idealism here, and Sam Reinhart's in for it. So I, I this is how they go 50, 28, and 4. That's my record prediction for the Sabres. They need to win this game. But I, 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 I was about to say, are you guys not positive? You guys don't even have them winning? Uh, no offense, Tanner, but, you know, <laughs> if you're positive in the Don Granado, Kevin Adams <laughs> movement, you got to pick them to win at this point. Uh, but, you know, it, it would be nice if they beat a good team. Uh, will they beat them? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're going up against a team that brought in uh, Brady Kachuk from Calgary, one of the best instigators in hockey. He just knows how to play the game so well physically, and he put up 100 points last year with Calgary. Now he's with the Florida Panthers as they shipped uh, Jonathan Huberto, another 100-point guy, uh, you know, across Northwest over to the Calgary Flames. And, you know, we're going up against guys like Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhart. You got goalies like Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky. Uh, they have a lot of talented players, and they're one of the best teams in the NHL for sure. They didn't really step up to the plate when playoffs came around last year. But, again, they're, they're, they're a very well-coached team. They have a lot of offensive talent. They got a lot of defensive talent. That's probably a little more of their, their, their weaker spot on the team, but they have some guys that are very well put together on their roster as well. But it's a, it's a, it's a team that can put the puck in the back of the net. So their Sabres defense and Eric Comrie are going to have to be on their uh, heels and really just, again, play the game very well and not allow you know that six or seven goal game that they can really put up against us but yeah nonetheless you're going up against a very stout team in the Florida Panthers boy if Eric Comrie can do anything close to what Anderson did on opening night I, I like us 82 no baby 82 no that's right <laughs> See, Dan, I didn't pick them to lose. I said I still want them to oh, win, but I guess oh, game oh, picks. I didn't hear that part. Game I'm picks. Sorry, I got I'm the sorry. Sabers. I got the Sabers winning four to three in a close game. Uh, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, Victor Olofsson, they get themselves going as they didn't, you know, really record anything in the first game other than Victor Olofsson's last two empty net goals. They had some chances, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here on ninety one. Uh, what we don't just neither what us three don't get oh, to make. Oh, game I thought picks. you guys make your game picks. I didn't give a. I, score. I didn't give a score. Oh, okay, go for it. I'll just say I'll just go with what I said in my spiel there. I hate to do it, but I'll pick the Florida Panthers to win like five to four. Okay, uh, I'll take Florida probably six to two. Jeez, this guy is just a Sabers yeah, down. Sabres okay, okay, tell me the last time the Sabers looked competitive against the Panthers last year. Never. Well, <laughs> I think Sabers last take it three and three to two. Three to two. I mean, I mean, yeah, technically. You are right, but the um the Sabres last time they were competitive was 2019-2020 when Jack Eichel had a, a big game against them. But exactly, that's we don't why speak I, of him. 
playing for the Sabres. <laughs> we, he, name redacted, played for the Sabres. Right. <laughs> you know who took a break on the Sabres? Jack Eichel. Speaking of a break, we're also name redacted. Take, we're going to take a quick break here. And after the break, we are going to get into Bills versus Chiefs talk. And later in the show, we will get our game picks in for week six. All right. This is 91.3 FM WBNY. Buffalo Blitz will be right back in a few moments. Team in 17 seconds. Down the middle to the end zone. And there it is. Welcome back to the Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982. Brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. And I know... I know everyone listening to the show currently is probably like, why did you play that clip? Why did you play that clip? The reason I played that clip, because Gabriel Davis is the best wide receiver ever. That is a fact. But the other fact is that we all went through that same pain together. And we're going to have to, you know, go through it again because I guarantee you. No, no listen. What? You know, listen, listen. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> counting no, 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 more no, 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 pain. No, no, no. Evan, no. Listen, 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 listen. When that game is you know, being broadcasted and televised on, you know, the air, they're all going to be playing that. That's they're all, We're all going to be, be remembered that about what happened in the divisional round, 13 seconds left against the Bills versus Chiefs. We're going to all have to go through that. And again, that play just wrapped up the Buffalo Bills season in general. Just hearing those words, like, Davis, touchdown. Romo was like, oh, that's it. They won the game. Tony Romo's the biggest jinx on national television. <laughs> like the guy, the guy is just he goes. Who, he who's goes worse? Who's worse? Tony Romo or Chris Collinsworth? Collinsworth. Collinsworth. Is that even a question? Tony Romo's at least fun to listen to. Collinsworth's okay. always okay. like, oh, he- Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. He's just the best to ever touch a football. <laughs> Look at him. No one could do it. It's a Mahomes play. No one could do anything like he can. Mahomes it's- gets sacked. Oh, it's a Brady play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brady. Even though Mahomes throws his arms up every time he gets touched, just like Tom Brady. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, also, again, you know, we all went through that pain, but we're going to not suffer that pain anymore as the Bills are set to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday at 425. All right. In Arrowhead, the Bills have a very, very clean injury report. Finally. This week, right? Took them long enough. I just so, saw that tweet by Sal Capaccio. Yes. Uh, let's go through the Bills injury report. Christian Benford. Now, this is huge. He's limited Every day, Wednesday through Friday, with his hand injury that he suffered a few weeks back, his game status hasn't yet been fully determined, but he is a player that potentially could suit up for the Bills this Sunday against the Chiefs. What does it mean to have him back if he Uh, does? It'd be really cool if they taped up his hand with, like, a couple rocks in it so he could start throwing some punches real fast. (laughs) I mean, like, give give a little leg up on the game, you know. That's got to be a violation of some rule in the rule book. I don't know which one specifically, but... Just has golden <laughs> knuckles in there. Just <laughs> the brass <laughs> knuckles. The yeah, brass, he's got knuckles, brass yeah. knuckles. But it would be crazy because Benford, honestly, in the first few weeks, outperformed Elam. And I get it. Elam has great stats, but he he wasn't targeted very often compared to. Yeah, where Benford no, was. he. Um, I didn't say this because like I didn't really you know get to talk about it. But yeah, Elam got destroyed against the yeah. Steelers. Pickens was had his number. And Johnson. And everyone Johnson. that went up against him had his number. Yeah. Well, luckily, got... luckily, the Chiefs don't have a George Pickens or anyone particularly comparable outside but of the Travis they got Mahomes. They got Mahomes. That's the scary thing. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Dan's oh. quaking in his boots right now. Oh. Um, no, it, it, 
Elam, I think, is great. He just he hasn't had as hot of a start, you could say. And his numbers are inflated because the number of targets, like on his side of the field up until the Pittsburgh game, were minimal. Like there weren't many of them. You yeah, know what I mean? Because he was erasing those receivers. He was taking them out of the game. Granted, Baltimore doesn't have exactly the scariest receiving core, and I, they played a lot of that game without Rashad Bateman. But Tyreek Hill, when we played the Dolphins, he had a quiet game by his standards. Like Kair Elam took him out of the game. Yeah, if Elam wasn't fully on Hill, though. It was more of like Jamarcus Ingram mixed with Elam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, still, whoever yeah. Elam was on, they did not have a particularly yeah, I mean, good time. I mean, whether that was Jalen Waddle or just in, in general, like. We have to credit Elam for the games he did play right. good in. But, yeah, he, he did have a rough week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, but, again, ben, Benford Benford is set to play. He's active to play. We don't know if he will play or not, but there's a chance that he will suit up for the Bills uh, this Sunday against the Chiefs. Stefan Diggs did not participate. Oh, my God! Vent oh, rest. no! Yep. <laughs> oh, right. no! Call the ambulance! All right. Um, Every medical staff, just go! Th- there we go. Um... Player, what did you just? What? You did not, Joe. He turned you oh. down. Wow! <laughs> wow! Joe turned him down, and I and I cut him off. All right, <laughs> uh, Tremaine Edmonds. This is probably one of the most interesting players to look at on the injury report. Obviously, not playing last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers for obvious reasons. Resting that hamstring, hamstrings, hamstring injuries are something that you don't you don't want to mess around with. And the Bills were smartly in the part to not play him last week, but he was limited through Wednesday and Thursday. He was a full participant Friday. So all I can say is he's most likely going to play this Sunday against the Chiefs. What does it mean to get him back? Oh, that's big. We need that one. Not necessarily because, like, the Chiefs' run game is spectacular, but just, you know, with the amount of just movement and eye candy that they have that they throw at you, you know, sending guys all across the formation just to have a guy in there that, you know, is able to recognize that type of stuff and has, you know, that sideline-to-sideline speed to be able, you know, to keep up with these guys that can just move so well laterally for the Chiefs, whether it's their speedsters like Marquez Valdez-Scantling or McCole Hardman or, you know, edwards Lair and you look at Pacheco, the rookie running back, what he's been able to do, you know, as his role's been increasing over the weeks, and Jarek McKinnon, and then, you know, just to have a big body there that can hopefully make life harder on Travis Kelsey, but that's a big one. I didn't sweat it too much, the fact that he wasn't playing against Pittsburgh, but we need all hands on deck for this for this Kansas City team. So to have him hopefully be back out there is going to be a big boost. Even, you know, Benford, if he can come back too, like that's that's big if we can get those guys back. Because like I said, it's all hands on deck. They might not have the most intimidating receiver room. I mean, I saw a stat earlier today that Bills wide receivers compared to Chiefs wide receivers, Bills receivers have 14 touchdowns. Kansas City only has two. But that guy, that Mahomes, man, he's special. He can make magic happen. And you look what him and Kelsey did to the Raiders, you know, Kelsey with his four touchdowns reception so we just we need all hands on deck defensively yeah when you have a tight end that puts up a near randy moss stat line low low receiving yards but every reception is pretty much a touchdown you know that that's that's something that's definitely intriguing to play against and you know patrick mahomes in general is just like you said a magician he playing against the buccaneers was going down and just flips his wrist and tosses it whatever into the that, end zone. Whatever that throw was. Yeah, whatever that was. And he was behind the line of scrimmage still. I could not believe that. It just honestly, it's 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 just so tough to play against because where we have a pretty well-rounded team, like you said, these guys in on the defense, like if we get these guys back, that'd be great because they don't have a Tyree kill. That last play that killed our season last year, you hear it, 
do it, Kelsey. Do it, do it. It's all him. You know what I mean? Like he he's got that in his mind. He like he knows. Like it's it's a little a little scary to play against. I don't know. Like I don't want to be all over Patrick Mahomes here, but you got to give the guy credit. I mean, him and Kelsey figured out the defense without the coach. Well, just yeah, did it. You know and, what I mean? Like in the matchup of Allen and Mahomes, in my opinion, is probably realistically the new Brady and Manning. Um, whether you want to say Allen's no, Manning or no. Mahomes is Brady or whatever, like, or they're going to swap tides in the future years. But both of these quarterbacks are undoubtedly 1A, 1B, and it's going to probably most likely be like that for the next 10 to 15 years. And this is the new Maddie Manning versus no, Brady matchup. No, Why do you disagree, I, I don't want it to be the new Manning and Brady because I'd rather it just be its own new thing. Why can't it be its own new thing? Because I don't want Allen losing – like oh, Manning, I'm, I'm just saying, like these are the two new top that quarterbacks. Don't, I don't know. I don't want compared to. Uh, I mean, those are the two greatest quarterbacks in football, in NFL history. So, <laughs> like, I mean, you can't get really much better than that. Drew, Drew Brees is up there. No, Drew Brees is Drew Brees is actually pretty decent. Drew no, Brees statistically is, Drew Brees. is like one of the greatest passers exactly. of all time, but obviously he doesn't have the resume. You know, I mean, he only has one guys. ring compared to my, uh, Manning's two. Well. I mean, like you said, resume. The same could be made about Mahomes and Allen. True. Super Bowl MVP for Mahomes. MVP for Mahomes. Uh, Allen, Allen doesn't really have anything. No, Allen's got technically on paper nothing. Right. That's, that's the comparison everyone all makes. Pro Although and, he, what, will be, pro bowls? he will be. He was an alternate last year. One Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. didn't even go Tyrod, to the Pro Bowl. Same no, amount as Tyrod Matt Taylor. Jones went to the Pro Bowl yeah, last year. Let's same, just be honest. Yeah, same because Josh said, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and by the way, Joe, we all know that Josh will be adding two of those things to his resume this season, so they'll be uh, on par with each other after the season gets comes to a close. All right, let's run through the rest of this injury report really quick before we will take a break in about, I don't know, eight or so minutes to get to our game what? picks. Yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, Kyrie Elam was on the injury report with a foot injury, limited Wednesday, full, full Thursday for fr- Thursday and Friday. His status is unknown yet, but he'll most likely will play. Daquan Jones, hip injury, limited on Wednesday and Thursday he was full, and Friday he was full. Game status not um, determined yet, but he most likely will go as well. Taiwan Jones, a knee injury. Um, he was a DNP Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday he was limited. A player to keep your eye on still hasn't had his game status uh, ruled out yet or if he's going to play or not, so we don't know on that. Uh, Dawson Knox, this is a big player that the Bills need to play because obviously we know what Dawson Knox did in the last last year's regular season matchup against the Chiefs. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown. He was one of the big reasons why the Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Uh, he has that foot-slash-hamstring injury and was limited Wednesday through Friday. Game status still yet to be determined. I I don't know. I think uh, Quinn Morris could step up into that role of what Knox has done. I mean, I, I wasn't worried when he faced the Steelers. Of course, now we're going against probably a somewhat equal or better defense in the Chiefs. Um but I, I thought Quayne Morris did perfectly fine, and he could do that role of what Knox does, I think, just as well. I don't think he could do better, but I or I hope he doesn't do better because we did sign Dawson Knox to a long-term agreement. I think – tell you, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Joe, no, ahead. Tanner, after you. After oh, you. All right. Um, you know, if Dawson Knox doesn't play, I'm honestly not too worried about it. You know, I say this all the time. Obviously, you want to have your best players on the field, but um, we talk about what Mahomes, you know, can do – 
you know, post Tyreek Hill, you know, with maybe that decrease in his skill positions. But Josh Allen, you got to give him that same credit too, because, you know, we've seen the decimation of some of his skill position players this year with all the receivers that have gone down and then, you know, not having knocks. But he has still just continued to set the world afire and put up numbers, gaudy numbers like it's nobody's business. So it doesn't matter who's out there. You could put him out there with the with the Buffalo State Bengals and he'd still go out there and put up numbers. Sorry, I don't mean that disrespectfully. But <laughs> you, you could just put anyone out there with Josh and he'll make it happen. Yeah, again, and I plus, mean, if you put Tariq Nelson with Josh Allen, oh, that would just be disgusting. That's simply dirty. That'd be nuts. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, it'd be awesome and outstanding if Dawson Knox can play. Just because I, I'm in the mindset of having your best players on the field gives you a better chance to win the football game. And I, you know, I do get what you guys are saying. Like Quentin Morris did very well last week. You know, for the limited chances that he had, uh, and he stepped up to the plate, filling in for that Dawson Knox role. But again. Dawson Knox is your $50 million tight end. He had 10-plus touchdowns last year. The guy is sensational. He's one of the better tight ends in the game. So you would like to have him on the field there. Uh, Jake Kumaro, ankle, is ruled out once again. Uh, So no Jake Kumaro. So maybe you see a little more Isaiah Hodgins, see a little more Khalil Shakir rolled up in that slot. Um, I'd like to see Shakir personally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Two of them. He looked fantastic. He when looked he phenomenal. Came um, Cam Lewis, forearm slash quad. He was a full Wednesday, limited Thursday, and a full participant on Friday. So he's another player to look out as well. Isaiah McKenzie looks to make his return to the Buffalo Bills lineup. Coming out of concussion protocol, he was full all throughout the week. That is going to be a sensational player to have back up in this lineup. We know... Isaiah McKenzie has over three-plus touchdowns on the season. He's been great for the Bills so far this year. Always would love to have a little dirty backup on the field. Von Miller Miller was limited Wednesday. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can I just say one thing about the injury report? Go for it. It is so nice not to see Gabe Davis' name anywhere on this. (laughs) It was a good, like, four weeks in a row. Yeah, it was just like... Our number two receiver is on this, but then he comes out and has 98-yard touchdowns in a Randy Moss stat line and in the first half. And Yeah, there's no the more reason. No. <laughs> there's no more reason. <laughs> All right. Oh, funny story before I get through the rest of the injury report. When I was sitting at the Bills game, I sit in 114, so I'm like kind of on the, the 20-yard line, mm-hmm. and I was in the area. I was literally looking right at the end zone um, of where Allen was lined up on the two-yard line, and I'm just going with the people around my section. I'm like, imagine... Imagine if Allen throws like 98 yards. So I start yelling, 98 yards, because we're on the two-yard line. Like, why not? 98 yards. And then, uh, no no kidding, on third and 10, <laughs> Josh Allen lines up and throws an absolute missile to Gabe Davis for 98 yards. So everyone's like, oh, my God, he called it 98 yards. The whole crowd's going wild. It was it was, it was was pretty cool. Um, they kept saying Allen looked like Tom Brady, though, when he did the let's go, like the flex thing. Yeah. I'm like, don't compare Allen to Tom Brady. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I want Allen to retire when it's time to retire. Go out on top. Don't do what Tom Brady did. Yeah, right? All right. Uh, Mitch Morse, elbow. Limited Wednesday, probably just to ease him back into the little things a bit, but he was full Thursday and Friday. So, again, he's a player that's going to be set to play. Ed Oliver, ankle, full throughout the week. Good news to hear. You would like to have Ed Oliver continue to progress and just stay in the lineup because we need him. He's a big, big playmaker for this defense. Jordan Phillips, questionable with his hamstring injury that he actually re-injured in the game versus the Steelers. He did go back in and play a little bit in the second half of the game, but again, just something to keep an eye on. He was limited throughout the week as well. Questionable is his game status. Jordan Poyer-Ribs, limited Wednesday, Thursday, 
full Friday. Mm-hmm. So, again, his game status is undetermined, but he is a player that looks to play yeah. this Sunday against I'd be the willing to put money on him playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Roger Saffold. DNP, man. Vet rest. DNP. DNP. Can I just, I want to say one thing real fast. Do you think Knox is healthy and they're just messing with Kansas City? Why not? I like mean, they're if just you got like, the chance. They're thinking that Knox isn't going to play, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, all-star tight end Travis Kelsey 2.0 on the other side of the ball. I, I think they're prepared if Knox plays. I mean, I don't know if it's really playing around. Yeah. It's not like Knox makes a huge impact like let's I mean, say I think Miami he, I think he makes a huge impact he is I would say one of Josh uh, Allen's well. top targets oh no yeah, he hasn't been this season he hasn't yeah been but this. like he plucks throwaway been, balls out of midair but he, he's been I, I'm trying to say that Dawson Knox is not like a Tyree kill nobody's a Tyree kill well I mean cheetahs only there's only guys one you're, you're missing the point here I'm saying the offense isn't worse without Dawson Knox compared to where if a Tyree kill is out then your offense is worse that that's what you guys are missing the well, offense stays I, I, the same pretty much with or without Knox I I think the Chiefs offense is better without Tyree kill matter yeah, of fact it honestly looks like they're cooking I, what I, because, okay, you're crazy. No, I, I agree I, with that, Dan. No, I, I think I think their offense is better. Patrick Mahomes isn't, you know, taking those downfield risks as much. He's playing a lot smarter. Tyree Kill had a lot they, of the most. They're drop- losing a deep threat though. That, yes, that's but, what makes Gabe Davis effective because they're worried about Diggs and his route running that they don't cover Davis in his long routes. So you're telling me that Davis got their, open their best thing is McCole Hardman as their deep threat. Oh my God, I'm I'm shaking in my shoes. McCall Hardman. Yeah, no, but they're, no. they're Tyreek Hill makes that offense better 100% of it. I don't know what you're thinking no, because I they I won a Super Bowl. I think their offense is better. And, like, yeah, they also went to the Super Bowl uh, in general. Like, they don't need Tyreek Hill to go to the Super Bowl. Patrick, yes, they do. No, they don't. Patrick yes, Holmes, they do. No, they don't. Patrick Mahomes has been to four straight AFC championships. He's been the best young quarterback in football over the last five With years. With Tyreek Hill. Okay, but you look at him now. Patrick Mahomes is a much smarter quarterback. He's taking his checkdowns. He's playing a much smarter brand of football. He's turning his game into that Tom Brady sense of things. Yes, is their offense not as electrifying? Probably, yeah. It does hurt to not have a, a deep threat, the best deep threat in football like that in Tyreek Hill. I'll give you that. But I think their offense is better because they can continually move the football downfield, drain the clock, run the football better. Still, again... Take... Edward Solaire barely does anything running-wise. Well, they, I mean, they, that's Jarek McKinnon. They have there. three running backs in CEH... Uh, Jarek McKinnon and Pachesco. They have three guys that can run the football. Mahomes can run the football if he needs to. He's mm-hmm. Mahomes is playing very good football. He's playing safe football. And guess what? Tyree Kill cost the Chiefs a couple games last year. He cost them a couple drives dropping the football. Uh, yeah, that, that happens. <laughs> that happens to every wide not, receiver, no, Not Evan. as much as Tyree yeah, Kill last that, year. Evan, that Hold point on. makes no sense. No, 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 no. Wait. Dan, it does make sense because Tyree Kill had over 10 drops last year that costed Chiefs drives on fourth down. Where's the stat? Well, wait, I'll just say that I feel like that's a little cherry pickish because, I mean, sure, that might be the case, but, you know, you'll take that. There's trade-offs. So when you yeah. t- when you have yeah. a guy that can turn a nine, or can turn a 10-yard slant no, but, into a 90-yard no. touchdown, I'm, you'll, take, I'm, that. I'm, you'll take that. Trade-off. What I'm saying is I'm not saying that knocking Tyree Kill. I'm saying that in general those drive killers, because Patrick Mahomes is trying to force the ball to a guy like Tyree Kill. If I was a quarterback in the NFL, I would try to force the ball to a guy like Tyree Kill too. Because, again, he's a big Evan, play. Evan, if it really hurt them so bad, why were they still a top-five offense? Why? Because Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. 
He's the best quarterback in football, Dan. Not no, not even close. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in yeah. football right no, now. No, again, I'm a Bills fan. I love Josh through and through, but until he beats Patrick Mahomes at the top of the you know top of the top in the playoffs, I I, I can't. Oh, you don't even give him regular season anymore? Come on, regular season doesn't I matter. Mean, I can understand where both are coming from. Josh, on paper, is a lesser quarterback, but in my opinion, when I watch him play. He's right up there oh, yeah. with Mahomes. Oh, he's right like, there. It's 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 a one A one B. But yes, Mahomes is still over Allen. When, right. When you think and of Brady the... and let's just say Brady and uh, Rogers are not even in the conversation for top two anymore. I, I'm done with that. No. Brady Brady and Rogers are tier one, and then tier two is tier two and three. You fit everyone else in. Mm-hmm. There's juggernaut tier, and that's Allen and Mahomes. You have them up top. Yeah. I'm sick of this top four quarterbacks and throwing yeah. Brady and Rogers over Allen. I mean. There's but, two tiers of quarterback in the NFL. There's God tier and then everyone else. Exactly. And Allen and Mahomes are in God tier. 100% Tanner, 100%. Yeah, and just like just the point in general, like when you watch the Chiefs offense now, they're not just trying to go down the field and beat you with one big play. They're going down the field uh, smartly and conservatively, and they're getting all their playmakers involved. Like Patrick Mahomes uh, in the past couple of years would really only target two guys. That was Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Now you see him targeting guys like MVS, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, uh, the backup tight end Watson, Travis Kelsey, obviously. Even the running backs get more involved, like McKinnon, CEH, Pachesco, uh, you know, here and there. He's getting the the ball out to his playmakers more. He's spreading the football out. He's, you know, confusing the defense a little bit more. And again, I'm not denying the fact that Tyree Kill makes your offense explosive, and it makes it more electrifying, and it gives you that big playability. But I'm saying from a an actual standpoint, it makes Mahomes better, which makes the offense better. Because Mahomes is turning into a more well-rounded quarterback, still with the ability to take the top off the defense because he's got one of the top three arms in football. they still got guys that can get deep. Any player in the NFL can get behind a, a cornerback safety and get open down deep. Like, let's not, like, take that fact away. It can happen. I'm just saying, right now, I would rather have Tyreek Hill off my offense than on because of who my quarterback is. If my quarterback was Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, I want Tyreek Hill. But if my quarterback's Patrick Mahomes, I don't care who my receivers are. And that goes, like, with guys like Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. I know they're going to perform well with any type of receiver. But I've seen... Don't tell Packers fans that this season. <laughs> well, yeah. But, no, you, I, I think Aaron... I, you get I what I'm saying. Aaron, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you gotcha. get what I'm saying I in gotcha. a sense. Her, Herbert, anyone else. But you see Patrick Mahomes has become a much smarter uh, player in the game of football. He's a much smarter quarterback than he once was a couple of years ago. And I think that is due to Tyree Kill not being there anymore because Patrick Mahomes had to reshape his game for the better. And I'm not knocking Hill, but it's just, again, a thing. Mahomes is more patient in the pocket. He's not trying to force that ball downfield, which is killing drives. He's sustaining drives, taking the time off the clock, and he's scoring at a high effective rate this year with one of the best red zone percentages in the NFL. No, I I understand what you're saying. He had to make himself better losing Tyreek Hill and get his game going a little more. I mean, mean, he's he's having an equally as good year as, as Josh Allen without an alpha number one receiver. Right. I mean, like, come on. Like, he's doing great things. He's doing very well. I, I think Allen's the MVP right now, but I'm saying Mahomes is playing phenomenal without having a Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, Adams, Chase, Jefferson, whoever you want, Cup. 
He's doing that without those guys. Well, he's still got a number one, maybe not a wide receiver, but Travis Kelsey yeah, is yeah, a number yeah. one Basically option. a wide receiver. But like at yeah. the end of the day, like that number one receiver at the axe position isn't there, and he's still performing at a high, high rate. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to mm. take a quick break here on <laughs> 91.3 FM, WBNY. Right after that, we're going to swing through our game picks. We got a little off track there, but we're going to swing <laughs> we through. We never get off track, Evan. Don't say that. We're going to swing through our game picks really quickly here after the break on 91.3 FM, WBNY. See you guys in a few minutes. Welcome back to The Blitz on 91.3 FM at WBNY. My name is Evan Harrington. I am still your host for the next half an hour. Still joined by Tanner Saunders, T-Sizzle, Double D, Daniel Dell, and our producer for the show today, Mr. Joseph Kelly, doing an awesome job. All right, let's get into week six game picks. Week six of 18 Man, we're getting through this really fast, obviously doing the game picks for the week, but in general, just playing the game of football and watching it has been going by really fast. Uh, everyone saw that uh, terrible game last night between the Commanders and the Bears? Had me wishing that I could watch the Sabres, watch a real sports team do do their do their thing. Yeah. What, At least I picked it right, though. I'm happy. I yeah, picked the I'm, Commanders. I, I'm happy with that, too, but, you know. Uh, Thursday night might need to be abolished. (laughs) So I actually saw this before we get into the game picks. I saw this like meme. It was like, whoever loses the Thursday night game should just keep playing on Thursday night until they win to get out of it, to go back (laughs) to a Sunday slot. It's just like a a punishment. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's what it really is in general. Like we see these memes or whatever all the time. Like whoever is the last place team in the NFL should play like a CFL or an XFL team or whatever league it is. And if that team beats them, they get to enter. I'm kind of considering that. I'm kind of considering that with some of these teams that we see playing on Thursday Night Football. Like, dude, they put up a stat. Carson Wentz is 7-0 on Thursday Night Football. Oh, yeah, dude, he passed for 99 yards and, well, didn't throw a pick six. Congratulations once you won a game. All right, let's move on to our week six game picks. This is probably one of the games of the week starting into it. We have the Baltimore Ravens taking on the New York football giants, and they are four and one, and the Ravens are three and two. Now, the Giants go five and one? What are you guys' thoughts? I'd take it the Giants all the way. I'm riding the Brian Dable hype train. Um it, it's it's for me. I think honestly, the Ravens' secondary is ranked high, right? But they have not played like that ranking so far this season, and they've give, they've rolled over and showed their belly in the fourth quarter for four straight games. They're lucky they didn't lose the Bengals game. You know what I mean? Like it's just in Brian Dable in the Bengals or oh my gosh Brian Dable in the Giants sorry I got the Bengals on the mind Brian Dable in the Giants just seems like you know that Cinderella story right now and I'm gonna ride it until it dies I think I I, I like Brian Dable Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley first off before I make my pick here it's kind of a running joke through the first four weeks that I I couldn't pick over nine games right in a single week week one it was eight then nine 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 breaking development last week. I got 10 games right, wow. finally. I have eclipsed double digits. Maybe in this week you get 11. For the first time. And now on the season, I am. So I went 10 and 6 last week on the season. I'm 45, 34, and 1. Now, getting to week 6 here, the Ravens and the New York Giants. I mean, I, 
I, Joe, I'm going to go with you. I like your rationale. You know, they're they're riding hot right now. They just came off a big win over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And, I mean, I thought they were shorthanded last week, and they were. And it's going to be the same case this week. No Kenny Galladay, no Kadarius Toney. But something about this Giants team, they just make it work no matter what it is. Like, I'm a big Daniel Jones believer. Brian Dable is doing a tremendous job. So I'm going to keep the train rolling. Let's go, G-Men. Yeah, uh, I'm going to stop it right there. Yeah, chugga, chugga, no. Um, (laughs) There there is no giant train for me. It is the Ravens. They beat the Bengals, which isn't the greatest opponent in the world, but their defense did look better. They are getting healthier. Rashad Bateman should be back this week. Um, If he's not, I don't think that makes a big difference because they still have Mark Andrews. Um, So in my mind, I think Lamar Jackson is just going to have a field day against the Giants. Rashad Bateman is out this week. Oh, okay. Well, it's Mark Andrews. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, and don't 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 sleep on Devin Duvernay either. He was their leading receiver last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I'm riding high with my New York Football Giants. I, you know, they were my kind of like dark horse team. My my dark horse MVP coming into the season was Saquon it. Barkley. No, yeah. we no we did. Yeah, my dark horse MVP. I had the Giants starting four and zero. I mean, they're four and one now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I didn't think we were going to get to this point realistically. But here we are, man. <laughs> Saquon Barkley's a man on a mission. Daniel Jones is doing all the right things. He's not doing anything overly complicated. He's not winning them football games, but he's not losing them football games. He's picking up key first downs and playing some well-put efficient football, and he's going to keep doing that against the Baltimore Ravens just because simply to that point, I think the Ravens are putting too much on Lamar Jackson uh, on Lamar Jackson's plate. And that may be a little too much to handle for himself because I, I really do think Lamar Jackson is playing at a top-five level this year, and he's going to continue to do that. But with not having a guy like Rashad Bateman, you limit your receiver core. You only have a guy like Devin Duvernay, and then you got a guy like Demarcus Robinson who, yeah, remember Demarcus Robinson? Yeah, a lot of people may or may not. And you got Mark Andrews, you know, the second-best tight end in football. But at the same time, you're taking away a lot of receiving weapons for Lamar Jackson. All right, give me the Giants in that matchup. Let's go on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, set to take on an in-division opponent in the Indianapolis Colts. Now, this is a huge matchup. Matter of fact, the Jaguars are 2-3 and three going up against the 2-2-1 two, two and one Indianapolis Colts. The Colts have looked like a stink, a stinker this year. <laughs> they have stunk. Not, that's a matter of fact. Matt Ryan has as many fumbles in five weeks as he did last year in 17 weeks. My <laughs> gosh, what is going on in Indianapolis? I think they're missing Frank Carson Reich, Wentz. Figure it out, and right, they're missing Carson Wentz. Let's, you know, go around the table here, Jags versus Colts. I mean, I'm taking the Jaguars. It, it's th- They already played them this year, right? Uh, yeah, we yeah. And, and they won. Yeah. And that was in... Or no, that was in Jacksonville. Yep. And the Colts have not won in Jacksonville in about nine matchups now. Yep. Yep. I don't think that changes in Indianapolis. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars stomp the Colts. Matt Ryan fumbles again and again and again, drive after drive. Jonathan Taylor, again, stalls and does not do anything within a game. Such a weird year, man. I know. I know. After he was so dominant last year, he's doing nothing. But I'm taking the Jags. 
I am also taking the Jaguars. They got off to a really hot start this year, obviously, and then Trevor Lawrence has kind of fallen back down to earth. You know, he had that rough game against the Eagles where he had, what, five total turnovers? But I think uh, he gets back on track here, and the Jaguars as a whole get back on track, and I think they are going to take the victory. The Colts are going to be a little shorthanded defensively. They're going to be without Shaquille Leonard and Quiddy Pay. so give me the Jacksonville Jaguars. I agree with Taryn. Joe, I think the Jaguars had a bad week last week. Houston always gets one of those like weird low-scoring wins against a halfway decent team, like six to nine against the Bills last year. Yeah, oh, so y- you know it <laughs> happens. So uh, Jaguars win this game. Yeah, I have the Jaguars winning as well. I'm a believer in what Doug Peterson is building over there. He also said earlier in the week or earlier today, couldn't really tell, that they want to get Christian Kirk more high volume in the offense, want to target him. So, you know, targeting your best playmaker on the offensive side of the ball never hurts, and they are going to do that this week against the Indianapolis Colts. All right. The New England Deflatriots taking on the Cleveland, may or may not win a game, Browns. Something I might have said in 2016. <laughs> All right. We got the Patriots going up against the Browns. We don't know the full status yet on Mac Jones, right? Uh, he's questionable. He's questionable. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's just assume Bailey Zappi's going into this game. I think Bailey Zappi wins the game for yeah. New England again. Yeah. So, I mean, you got the Browns at 2-3, and three, same with New England. All right. Let's hit it off. Joe, you think New England wins? Oh, absolutely. Sorry. I thought you were passing it over. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I jumped the gun on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think Bailey Zappi has done what Mac Jones needed to do. And move outside the pocket, be mobile, make those throws. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for a little longer. I mean, it's honestly, it's just tough because you drafted Mac Jones early. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you picked him up right away because you thought he was going to be your next franchise QB. And he still potentially, still potentially be. can be. Yeah, I'm not completely discounting that right now. But Bailey Zappi's been playing great for the Patriots. And he puts up, if Mac Jones is out for two more games and Bailey Zappi continues to put these games together, like he went to overtime with Aaron Rodgers, which granted the Packers aren't great this year, but what a statement comes in halfway through in a deficit, you know, like I, I, I'm taking the Patriots all the way. I am taking the Cleveland Browns. I know I, my rationale for always picking the Cowboys is I've never seen Cooper Rush lose. Well, I've never seen Bailey Zappi lose either, but I'm not affording him that same respect because he's a division rival. Look, the Browns went toe-to-toe you know, with the Chargers and that offense last week, nearly won the game, but you know, Cade York couldn't connect on that 58-yard field goal. So I think they're just going to you know, ride that ground game with Nick Chubb, Jacoby Brissett's, you know, he's like uh, Harrington said with Daniel Jones, he's not going to win you the game, but he's also probably not going to lose you the game either. So give me the Cleveland Browns at home. What does Bill Belichick do best? Take away what you're good at. That That's what we've learned for years now. I don't care if it's Tom Brady, Mac Jones, Brady Zappi. Don't, don't care anymore. Patriots are going to beat the Browns. It's Jacoby Brissett. I don't trust him enough. I don't think the passing game is good enough. Uh because they rely on Chubb and Hunt way too much. Give me the Patriots. I'm actually going to take the Cleveland football Browns in this matchup just because I'm a big believer in what they're doing offensively with guys, not just like, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They're involving David Njoku a lot. Like, they gave him a big contract this past offseason. And if you look at his numbers and his involvement in the play offensively, he's really taken a nice step this year. So give me the Browns in this. I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring matchup, maybe 19-17. to 17. But give me the Browns. Um, all right, let's move on to a weird matchup uh, that just doesn't really look right, but they're they're playing each other. That's the 
Cincinnati Bengals and New Orleans Saints. That's just like a, such a random matchup. I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know why. It is in New Orleans, and the Bengals look to get back on track and get back to five hundred as they are sitting at two and three. What do you guys got in this matchup, Joe? Go. I think the the Super Bowl hangover kind of loss hangover kind of you know settles itself here, and I think the Bengals do you know take a win over the Saints and get to that five hundred to put themselves in a position to maybe you know win win enough to get make the playoffs, and it's going to be like. Let's just be honest here. The the chances of them running the table, they're slim. Like, there are a lot of good teams in the AFC, but I think they could potentially be a wild card team if they, they got to win this game, though, and get to that 500 to make that happen, and I think they will. I am going to pick the New Orleans Saints for this game. I don't know if you guys are aware, but the Saints' starting quarterback is going to be none other than the man... Andy Dalton, and he is going to show the man who took his job, Joe Burrow, who the best quarterback in Bengals franchise history is, and he's going to pull off the upset. I like the Saints at home in the Andy Dalton revenge game. Tanner, it's hard to disagree with Andy Dalton. You're correct. And I won't because Andy Dalton's just so good. Uh, he, he has looked really good for the games he has started. He might take Jameis Winston's job at this point because Jameis is not – had an explosive start to the season, and he's been hurt. So I wouldn't be shocked if Bengals come to down and he beats the living crap out of them. Well, I mean, watch the language I there, mean, pal. Come on. Dan, I think it has been an explosive start for Jameis Winston, just not in the right way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But matter of fact, when you look at this quarterback room for the New Orleans Saints, yeah, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill. Guys coming out of nowhere, three touchdowns, 100 yards rushing on the 35 ground. 35 fantasy Passes points. Passes of football. Passes a touchdown as well. Taken away from my fantasy performance last week with Andy Dalton in the starting lineup. Don't ask about that one. <laughs> um, and then Alvin Kamara getting back into fashion. He had 90 receiving yards, had a good game on the ground, really got back to what he once was with you know, top five back in the game of football. I don't know if he's still that is currently, but he's looking like getting back to him, his old self. Yeah, but give me the Bengals in this. I'm not going to over overcomplicate things. The Bengals have a much better team. Their front seven's better. Everything that they have is better as well. Receivers, quarterback, O-line, to an extent, running game. Give me the Bengals in this matchup. All right, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I will say this. Not only did the Steelers score three points against the Bills last week, they also have a couple key players out. Levi Wallace, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Sutton, Witherspoon. So a few key players in their secondary are out. Uh, but also take in mind that Julio Jones for the Bucks is doubtful. Not like that really matters oh, no. anyway. Not, yeah, <laughs> not like that matters too much anyway, but just, just a key note to throw out there. Can what I throw another shocking. stat out about the, the, the Steelers real fast? Uh, they gave up 38 points last week. Did you say 38 points on a 98-yard score? Just want to throw that out there. But, I'm, t- yeah, I mean, I'm taking the Bucks. Tom Brady, the divorce is fueling him, the rage, everything. Daddy isn't coming home anymore. Giselle said to his kids, her kids, and he's mad. He took family out of his Twitter bio. He's, he's, he's going for another Super Bowl, and I think they, they start the run here. I'm not going to overcomplicate this one too much. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, obviously you mentioned the Steelers are going to be a little shorthanded, you know, and that that Tampa Bay defense, that's never a defense you want to see when you're a quarterback making your second career start. So give me Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay. All right. That's all I need to say. Lightning quick. All right, let's move on to another matchup that can just be lightning quick, 49ers-Falcons. 
49ers. 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 All right. Now, here's an interesting matchup. We have the New Jersey football Jets yeah. set to take on the Green Bay receiverless Packers in a matchup where the Jets could actually go 4-2, and two, which is something I would have not said at the beginning of the year. I know, Tanner, me and you thought a little more highly of the Jets mm-hmm. than Dan. I don't remember about you, Joe, no. what you thought on them. Oh, you were you were were you more with Dan? Let me tell you. Can I can I jump into my pick here and tell you what I think about him? Yeah, yeah, go for it. New Jersey football runs the table on the Packers two weeks in a row here. First with the wow. Giants and now with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers has nothing. Aaron Jones, AJ AJ Dillon, okay. They need to utilize them. More. Yeah, they're not though. That's the problem. And I the, the Jets are going to kill the Packers. Kill them. I think. I think the, the Jets take the game easy. Zach Wilson has been on a hot streak, and um, Brees Hall. Sorry, it took me a minute to think mm-hmm. about him. He played great last week. That's oh, what no, oh, yeah. I've rest my oh, case. Oh. I am also taking the New York Jets to knock off the Green Bay Packers. Look, I've been jumping off the tables about Zach Wilson on this show for you know many episodes now, and I got to tell you, he only has two turnovers in his last six starts, and in fourth quarters this season, he's thirteen of fifteen and has led five scoring drives. He's two and zero. Oh. The confidence is only going to keep growing. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be shorthanded at receiver. No Christian Watson. He's out with a hamstring. Not to mention that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed have been playing like one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL this season. Give me the New York Jets. Yeah, like you mentioned that, Tanner. Or, or sorry, Tan, go. I don't know why I wanted to jump in on that. Wow. How <laughs> dare you? How disrespectful. Uh, we know come, he's taken. He was making You faces. know, now, now yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm frazzled. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the Giants beat the Packers in London, whatever, early time zone. Eh, I get it. Okay. There's no excuse for that. Yes, there is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. He he knows what he's doing. He can beat a Jet team that has nothing. They've, nothing. Dan, they have good. something. They have a winning record. They, That's something. Yeah. So do they. The Jets have been rallying the, the past The Jets weeks, and though. the Packers have winning records. Yeah, but that's the Packers. You're, like, down in the Jets. They're, like, the bottom of the barrel, like, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons territory. No, the Jets have Brees Hall. Zach Wilson's been playing well. You're not changing my mind. Cheeseheads all the way. All right. Um, this is a hard game just because, like, I do get what Dan's saying. It's it's the Green Bay Packers. You can't really bet against them going up against the New Jersey football Jets. But at they the same did time, go to overtime with New England with a third string rookie that's quarterback. That's true. The, the Packers <laughs> oh have not looked that good. The the Jets have Brees Hall, like you mentioned, Tanner. They have you know Reed and Sauce Gardner playing like one of the better cornerback duos in the game of football. The receivers are awesome. Garrett Wilson, uh, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Their running game. You know, with Brees Hall, has been really good this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that the Jets could pull off an upset here, and I'm going to take that. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be 21 17. The Packers have been playing some lower scoring games. 21 17, give me the Jets in this matchup. All right, Vikings, Dolphins. Uh, Tua most likely will not play. It might be Teddy Bridgewater. It might be Skylar Thompson. What, do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Vikings, Dolphins. I'm taking the Dolphins still. Uh, Kirk Cousins, fraudulent early MVP pick. I don't know who thought of that. Kyle Brandt, what, as Dan would say, you were drinking some Kool-Aid for that one. Um, there's, oh, here we go. Mac Jones, still questionable. Oh, oh, this Justin, still questionable. But, um, I'm taking the Dolphins. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a decent 
somewhat decent quarterback. Sorry to correct myself there for a second. I didn't want to hype him up too much, but I think he can he can do a decent job with Tyreek Hill. I mean, you saw it against the Bengals. Like they they still put up a fight after Tua came out of the game. So I, I'm going to take the Dolphins on this one. I think. I am going to take the Minnesota Vikings, and it just comes down to the volatility of the quarterback position for the Dolphins. I No matter how much I love Tyreek Hill, and he's on my fantasy team, and uh, he is my wide receiver number one, Vikings have to win this game. Uh, if, if you want to keep on gaining a lead against the Packers for to win the NFC North, this is a game you need to win against whoever the quarterback is, Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater. I have the Vikings winning in this match. The Vikings haven't been blowing teams out or anything, but they are 4-1. and one. They have looked really solid. Uh, Kirk Cousins in this offense looked more explosive than they did last year. Justin Jefferson's back on track. Um, and Delvin Cook looks to be better as well as he's been on a nice little steady pace over the past few games. Give me the Minnesota Vikings in this matchup. I, I really like how they've been playing uh, recently. All right, uh, let's just another clean sweep. Panthers at Rams. 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 Dan, you took a quick pause there. Actually, yeah, were you thinking here. about the Panthers over there, pal? A, a little bit. A PJ little bit. Why wouldn't I? Matt Rule's gone. They're in PJ full rebuild Walker, mode. I think we're getting you know? CMC. Dino. We're not. <laughs> my we're old not. man has just tuned in. The, my dad has picked the Jets as well. because they. That's won the, what I'm talking they, about. They won the Super Bowl the year he was born in 1969. So he roots for the Bills but because I do, but he said the Jets fan at heart. So he's picking the Jets too. Really, right. really. Interesting there. All right, yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. You know, Jets over Packers. Like, that That was my pick and, you know, a couple of the other guys as well. But uh, Arizona Cardinals. Going to Seattle to take on the Geno Smith MVP led Seahawks. You you don't get to say that. You don't I, have rights. To I was the say first one to say it. I was the first one. Yeah, to say yeah it. but His then you gave up on it him for a couple weeks. Yeah, but I was the first one to say it, and I hop on when I need to. I say I was. So first you're one. a bandwagon. Okay, but I'm the <laughs> if there's for Geno Smith MVP. Yeah, I am. I was the only one that said it, so I'm the only one that's allowed to go on it because I said before Geno Smith is the MVP. And I'm allowed to be on that train. I took that from you the past couple of weeks. Yeah, but yeah, but you you can't take it after he had a really good performance. I I said it before the season started, so that that's mine. I do have a stat for this game. All right, go for it. Uh, we're two weeks out from Call of Duty, exactly 14 days. So Kyler Murray's prepping. So I'm taking Geno Smith and the Seahawks. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. He's playing some Overwatch too right now to get ready. But and it's a 405 game. It's a little earlier, so you know. look at that. He's a little time to play before. Look the game. at that, Geno Smith. He's got it. I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith has just looked like a new man this season, completely revitalized, and he was throwing some dimes in that Saints game. He made a couple throws that made my jaw drop. Like, there's only a handful of guys that are making the type of throws that he was making against the Saints. And meanwhile, on the flip side for the Cardinals, they've been a disaster this year. So (laughs) give me Geno Smith and the Seahawks at home. I'm taking the Cardinals. Put me on the Marquise Brown, Kyler Murray train. You know, I I think they've worked really well together, and I think they can beat the Seahawks easy. Yeah, uh, Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown played very well, actually, in their last matchup, um, you know, last week. But overall, man, I I, I just don't know what is up with this Arizona Cardinals team. They're 2-3. and They should be a little bit better than they are, but they're just not. And like you mentioned, Tanner, Geno Smith was making some really elite, high-level NFL throws last week. 
It's not like he's just doing the easy things, making the open throws. He was making some off-platform throws downfield, over the middle, over multiple defenders, really playing a high-level brand of football, and I love that, and I think he's going to continue to do that against the Arizona Cardinals this week, 4.05, Sunday, October 16th. Give me the Geno Smith-led MVP, Seattle Seahawks. All right, we have this game, but we're actually going to save that one for the end. Let's go to probably the game of the week in some people's eyes, not everyone's eyes, some people's eyes, game of the week, Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys, 4-1, and one, taking on the undefeated, the only undefeated team left in the game of football, the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I just want to make sure Dak isn't playing, right? He's, Correct. He's it's not, Rush. It's Rush. So, nonetheless, if Cooper Rush beats the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles... What the heck is going on with the NFL? Because he's not doing too much to win them games, but he's the quarterback that's winning games. What are you guys' thoughts on this game? So I'm going to quote myself on what I said on my podcast earlier this week. I think uh, Cooper Rush takes Jalen Hurts' jersey after the game, puts it in a blender, sets it on fire, and throws it out the window. I think he ends the perfect season for the Eagles. And he's played well. Him and McCarthy have a good connection. And... You're going to feed Zeke the ball, too, and Tony P. Tony P is my favorite player on the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal. Backup running back. And everyone's discrediting Dallas's defense. They have a decent defense. They can really tango. good defense. Yeah. yeah. They can tango with the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, tongue twister there. Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm taking the Cowboys. Until I see Cooper Rush lose a game, I'm not going to bet against him. Like, everybody wants to talk about the Eagles. Oh, well, they're 5-0 and this season. Yeah, Cooper Rush is 5-0 and over multiple seasons. This started last year. Obviously, just won one game last year. But spanning multiple seasons now, Cooper Rush is undefeated in games that he plays. So until I see him lose, I'm not picking against him. Give me the Cowboys. The Eagles' offense and defense are clicking like I've never seen before. Dallas ain't that good. Come on, it's a backup quarterback. Get your minds in check here. It's in Philly. It's a primetime game. The lights are going to be shining on Cooper Rush, and he's going to fumble it away. Eagles win it. Any given Sunday, Dan. That's all I have to say. I got the Cowboys winning. Like like Tanner mentioned, you can't bet against the guy that's playing at a really, I'm going to say a high level. He's winning at a high level. All right, Dan, (laughs) you can bet against him. You're going to take those odds. All right, uh, I got the Cowboys winning this. They go 5-1, and and they uh, have the division lead. You want to crack some rapid fire? Rapid fire. All right, Broncos Chargers. You guys want a clean sweeper on the table? Broncos country, let's hide Chargers. Let's hide Chargers. Mm-hmm. Chargers. Chargers. All right, let's Oh, move. we should have queued up Broncos country and then all said let's hide. Oh, oh that would have <laughs> been funny. That would have been funny. But you know what else is funny? The Bills going into Kansas City in rewriting history and beating the Kansas City Chiefs. What are your guys' game picks and score predictions against this for this game Sunday? I give you the Bills beating the Chiefs 27-24. to 24. Wow. Low score. The Bills are going to win, and the final score is going to be what it should have been in the AFC Division around 36-33 Bills, although I don't think 90% of the points are going to be scored after the two-minute warning like <laughs> they were in the divisional game, but hey, give me the Bills. Know. 36-33, it's what it should have been in the divisional. Give me one second. I want to pull up. Oh, here we go. Bills win 49-42, go into overtime. Wow, I hey, have, we uh, must win the coin toss then in that in that case. Exactly. Does he say tails again? What if we get a pick six in overtime? Know. Oh, Taron Johnson pick six in OT. Come on, 
I rather oh, th- I, I rather go against oh, the two Matt rookie Milano. corners. Because he was the one that got the touchdown scored on him. Yes. All right. Um, I have the Bills winning 39-28 in this matchup. Mm. All right. It's a good pick. We're all good there? Yeah. Yes. All right. Everyone knows where to follow us on social media. Just go really quick, rapid or fire around. Uh, at the Buffalonian on Twitter, at Joe Kelly on Instagram. All right, Tanner, go. At T- TJ Saunders 2000 on Twitter, Tanner underscore Saunders 2000 on the gram. All right, go. On Twitter, at double underscore D, capital WBNY. That's where all our o- old all right. episodes are posted. All right, you can find me on Twitter at EvanH716. This has been The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We will see you guys next Monday. Go Bills, and everyone stay safe. Thank you for tuning in, and you will listen to more great music.